Hey guys, this is your host Ruman and you have tuned into Life Happens for Real podcast where our primary focus is to search for stories from around the world to help people who are grappling with a similar situation. Today on the show we are talking tummy issues and I'm sure everyone would have gone through or would be going through one. And well, if you have not encountered any such episode, then congratulations because you are super lucky. We will be and well, we will be talking about anything and everything related to IBS, ranging from symptoms to causes, and finally the treatment. And to help me with this, I have the super fun girl. Trish Whetstone. She is the feel-good gut coach, a holistic health coach, and intuitive eating advocate. She became a certified advocate to help herself after years of struggling with IBS, and now she helps others through nutrition, stress management, and lifestyle change so that they can feel good in their gut. You can catch her co-hosting the podcast, Ice Cream, You Scream. You can also find her on Facebook within the page Feel Good feel good gut this is the page this is the name of the page by the way and also on instagram as feel good gut girl you can also visit her website www.healthcoachingbytrish.com well without any further ado let's welcome her to the show welcome to this welcome to life happens for real podcast trish how are you doing I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat about this, share my story, my experience, and again, give the ins and outs of the symptoms and then hopefully some hope on how to treat and manage things like IBS. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to have you here. Like, honestly, I'm so glad. Well, I have like a zillion questions like lined okay. up for you about IBS. <laughs> so let's just finish up with some general questions about IBS and then we'll be talking about your experience, right? Awesome. So, well, the first question that comes to my mind is like, what is IBS and are there any types for this condition? Yes. Yeah. So IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome. And it's kind of just that it's a syndrome of the gut, kind of what it sounds like. Oh, you have an irritable bowel. What's going on with your gut? Uh, you have some sort of digestive issues typically. So a lot of times this comes up as like constipation or diarrhea. We can call that IBSC or IBSD, or sometimes people can have a mix of those different kinds of uncomfortable bowel movements. And we called it IBS mix. Um, and sometimes IBS really is a condition, um, a syndrome of the gut, and there's something else underneath. So one of the things, like when it comes to types of IBS, there might be IBS where actually underneath there's a different condition like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, oh or maybe God. a yeast infection in the gut. Yeah. So sometimes IBS is just what we classify as gut issues before we really have the full answer of what's going on there. <clears throat> So yeah, this was IBS and the types. Now we kind of, let's jump onto the symptoms. Like what are the general symptoms or like what are the common symptoms that, you know, a person knows that, you know what, he has IBS. Yes. So, you know what, it's typically digestive discomfort. And again, that could be kind of strange, uncomfortable bowel movements. It could be cramping, stomach aches, bloating is a huge symptom of IBS, um, gas, and just a lot of these digestive symptoms. But then really what we're talking about when we're talking about the digestion, we're talking about the colon, we're talking about the gut and the gut is responsible for so many other areas of our health. Mm -hmm. So there are some other like secondary symptoms. I like to call it like low energy. Um, maybe the skin 
skin starts to break out because the health of our skin is a, a direct uh, effect of how healthy our gut is. Um, maybe some people kind of struggle with weight, either they can't keep their weight on or they can't keep um, a healthy weight and they're gaining weight. Um, so there's sometimes these extra symptoms around it. Um, and the last one I'll just say is general mental health symptoms. Sometimes people are really fatigued and they have what we call brain fog and they can't focus and they're feeling out of it and kind of frustrated. Mm -hmm. And um, those can also be symptoms of IBS. Well, uh, you know, don't you think the symptoms are so common? Like everybody can have digestive issues and you know what? He'll be confused that whether I have IBS or is it some other disease? Uh, you know what? That is such a good question. Obviously, we all have tummy upset from time to time. Yeah. In order to kind of be diagnosed with IBS or to classify it as that, usually it's persistent. Like, let's say you've had this for six months or longer, and it's a consistent thing. Most days out of the week, you're having more upset than not, right? If you have a bout of food poisoning or you're eating foods that just don't agree with you, and yeah, have the Thanksgiving type belly, that's a little bit different than this persistent. So, we like to think, you know, IBS is persistent for about half a year or so someone is struggling with this on almost a daily basis. Say for example when we talk about the weight issues I mean people ladies who are suffering with PCOS even they have this weight issue yes. right? So this is pretty confusing whether they have an IBS or not. It is confusing because yes. you know what I like to think mm -hmm. is that IBS is one of those ones that's classified really digestive specific. Mm -hmm. But remember when I said that really the health of the gut, the colon, and there's something called our microbiome. That's this collection of microbes like bacteria and fungi within the gut. That's responsible for so many other areas of our health. So let's say someone maybe doesn't have IBS, like they're not having digestive issues, mm -hmm. but their gut isn't really as healthy as it could be. And that's affecting their weight or their PCOS. Okay. And it still comes down to making their gut more healthy. And some of the tips we talk about IBS uh, that I'm going to give today are still going to apply to like, if you just want a healthier gut overall and healthier health overall as well, it'll still apply. And what can be the possible causes of IBS? Like, you know, yes. are there like any specific causes? I like that question because oh, there's quite a few. Um, there is potentially a genetic link. So if IBS is in your family, you might be more likely to get it. Oh, um, I'm doing that. Like it can be genetic also. Oh my God. Yeah, it might be genetic. There's, there's a lot of research showing that it kind of does run in families. And maybe there's just something about those people's guts or microbiome that make them a little bit more at risk for getting it. And then I like to think that there's a couple of lifestyle things that come into play. One, let's say you had food poisoning or bacterial infections oh, yeah. over time that really could, unfortunately, one bout of, you know, food poisoning could kind of disrupt your gut and kind of make it unbalanced. Um, a big one is the overuse of medication, specifically antibiotics. Now, antibiotics kill off almost all of the bacteria in our gut. Sometimes we need them if there's a really serious illness. But what we found in our society today is a lot of antibiotics are overused. We just use them a lot mm -hmm. and we're not really replenishing that bacteria in our gut. So antibiotic use could be at play here. Um, and then also other lifestyle things like just really poor nutrition, eating more processed food and less, you know, clean, whole plant-based food over time, you know, doing that and being under stress is a really huge factor because stress messes with a lot of our hormones, the can, stress uh, hormone. Yeah. Like can less consumption of water also be a cause because you know, it yeah. dehydrates you. Absolutely. Like all these habits, like not drinking enough water, not getting enough sleep, not being active. They kind of, what I like to say is they kind of all come together <laughs> and over time, if that's a consistent thing, it could disrupt the gut and cause IBS. So yeah. Oh, yeah, like I kind of 
felt like yeah it can be one of the causes right sure so yeah like now i have to talk to you about diagnosis like the most important yet the yeah. hardest one so yeah tell me about the diagnosis like is it easy or is it hard to get diagnosed i'm sure it would it would not be hard like easy to diagnose and if it's hard like what other de- diseases can be mistaken for ibs yes this is a really great question because again, it's kind of a syndrome. So typically when someone can, you know, have a diagnosis of IBS, it might go hand in hand with some other things, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. typically a a doctor should rule out other issues of the gut or irritable bowel diseases like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Um, People should be tested for that. Like maybe they have a colonoscopy to make sure there isn't something like a polyp on the colon. Mm. Um, They should get tested for celiac disease because that's the autoimmune condition. there should be tests to kind of rule out other bigger issues at play. And when those things are ruled out, but they're still having gut issues, that's when we usually get the diagnosis of IBS. So is it easy or is it hard? Like, does it, you know, easily get diagnosed? The doctor, I, is that the doctor immediately understands that? Yeah, this lady. has. Yeah. IBS. You know what? I would say it's typically, it's kind of hard to get diagnosed because even when people get this diagnosis, there's still some confusion here. So Mm -hmm. I say that because it's like a lot of doctors can look at it and say, well, it's probably IBS. And in that way, we could say it's easy to just kind of throw it around there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But then when people get a diagnosis, it's not always clear, like why they have the IBS or, you know, um, you've been diagnosed with it. Now what? And sometimes there needs to be, um, some more digging that needs to be done to see what's really at play in healing this. Like I mentioned before, there might be another condition underneath the surface that doesn't appear in immediate first tests. So yeah, what are the tests particularly? Like, is it a colonoscopy? Yeah, so a colonoscopy might be one of them or an endoscopy where it kind of goes through the throat and it looks at the upper GI. Um, some tests check for the balance or imbalance of the bacteria in the gut. So that might be a breath test where you breathe into a tube and it kind of like sees how balanced or imbalanced your bacteria are. Um, in some cases, a doctor might do a stool test where they look at the stool and see, is there parasites in there? What's going on? Um, so I would recommend if anybody has this more than telling your doctor, you have some stomach aches, you should probably get some tests done just to make sure there isn't, you know, another more serious issue at play here. And what does a typically, what does an IBS attack look like? Mm, Yeah. So I would say typically for a lot of people, it's different. Symptoms can vary, but it's usually like you have the stomach cramps, the stomach aches, you might have bloating, you might need to go to the bathroom. It's it's different for everybody. Some people might have that urgency and some people might just feel like they need to, you know, heal over it and take a break. But a lot of times it's discomfort in the stomach and it's feeling very fatigued and kind of like in a haze. Um, And that's typically when you can like kind of say what we call a flare up, right? Oh, my gut is flaring up. I'm kind of having a, a, like an IBS attack. And what are the common, most common triggers? This is important. Like what are the most common triggers of IBS? This is really important. So, so Mm -hmm. one of them, uh, before I'll get into nutrition is stress. Stress is a huge trigger of IBS. It's a huge causal factor. So when you're under stress, you know, it really does affect your gut and it can make your symptoms worse. Um, stressful times, especially for like a woman biochemically, like stress in the body that's happening sometimes around a woman's period or menstrual cycle, um, because their hormones and their body's kind of under stress, right? So that can be a trigger. Um, 
like we mentioned, maybe you're, you're not drinking enough water, you're not getting good sleep, not exercising, those lifestyle things can cause, uh, be a trigger. And then a huge one is nutrition, right? A huge one is nutrition. So oftentimes with IBS, people have what we call food sensitivities, which is a little bit different than an allergy. An allergy is, you know, really when the body's attacking that food molecule and it's immediate and it can be dangerous, um, life-threatening, right? Food sensitivities usually aren't life-threatening, but they're very uncomfortable. So I do recommend people, you know, take note of them. And some big triggers, uh, food sensitivities for IBS or the gut are sugar. So when someone's had a lot of sugar, Mm -hmm. um, dairy is a big one. And then gluten, the protein found in wheat-based products. Yeah, that is what I wanted to ask. Like, does it really occur because of food allergies? Like, say, say say somebody is like lactose intolerant or gluten intolerant, right? So this is like a big one. Yes. Yeah. Those often go hand in hand. Now, here's the thing. Some some people can just be lactose intolerant or just be gluten intolerant and not have IBS. Kind of like an allergy. It's just this one specific category of food that upsets them. What happens with IBS is usually, usually we see the more, more than one thing at play. So this is a good trigger or what should I say, an indication that IBS might be at play. If you're finding that bread makes you sick and cheese and fruits and all these lists of foods are growing bigger and bigger, that's more of an indication that you have IBS. And now we come to your experience with IBS. Like, how was it really? Like, yeah. I'm sure like it would not, would not have been easy. The journey would not have been easy at all. Yeah, not at all. About that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sure. So I really kind of grew up uh, healthy in my my childhood years and my teens. I kind of jinxed myself. Jinxed myself. I used to say that I had a really strong stomach, and nothing really upset my stomach. And then my late teens, early twenties, kind of in my college years, I started to realize I was getting more stomach upset. I realized I was lactose intolerant and then gluten intolerant. And the list of foods that I could eat without feeling um, sick was kind of dwindling. I was getting sick from a lot more foods. Um, and so a lot of mine were digestive at first. I was like, my bowel movements are weird and this isn't right. You know, and I started to do things like I tried to take a probiotic and it didn't do much. I tried to really eat cleaner and drink more water and exercise. And it wasn't really doing, um, enough. I was still feeling sick. So that's when I found, you know, something isn't right here. Something bigger is at play. So I started to confide in doctors and um, nothing against the medical profession, but they kind of did give me this diagnosis. They did a couple of tests and they were kind of like, you know, most young women your age have IBS. You kind of just have to deal with it. And I was like, well, I don't want to believe that. And I don't want to, you know, regardless, I don't want to deal with this. I'm so very young. And I used the dramatic example. I was working in a restaurant as a server at the time. So and I would wake up did, they, feeling, did the doctor tell you to run through a series of tests, run a series of tests? Yes. So it kind of started with a series of tests. I did like a breath test for, um, you know, the bacterial overgrowth. Mm-hmm. I did have a colonoscopy and kind of all those things came back for the most part normal. And they kind of mailed me a diet in the, in the mail <laughs> that I could have found on Google. And they were like, just follow this. And it was very, very difficult to manage on my own. And I would wake up feeling kind of like I got hit by a bus. I was so out of it. I was so low energy. I could tell the food wasn't being digested. I wasn't energized after I ate and it was really taking a toll. And on top of that, it was very stressed. And as I've mentioned a couple of times, stress can aggravate the condition. So it was kind of like this vicious cycle. I would try and manage my IBS, then I'd get stressed about it, then I would get more flare-ups, right? 
So I was kind of stuck in this cycle. Um, and so kind of on a whim, I found a health coaching program from an Instagram ad of all places. Uh, and is that which type of IBS did you encounter? Oh, yeah. Um, I had IBS mixed. So I had a little bit of oh diarrhea constipation God. mixed. And I like to say, you know, I, I do um, feel for people who have really, really bad cases of either. Mine yeah. weren't so in straight, extreme, but I like to say when I work with my clients, I've had a little bit of everything. <laughs> I had the whole platter, like all the things I had, the joint pain, I had the headaches, I had the tiredness, the gas, bloating, diarrhea, because I had like a little bit of all this, the symptoms I was experiencing, right? Really hard. Uh, I can say, oh my God. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was just, I was kind of like, and that's the thing is it was varying day to day. And that's when the doctor was like, you know what? It's not normal for that to vary throughout the day. Um, you should kind of have pretty consistent energy and bowel movements. You're healthy in other factors. You know, you're fit, your heart is good. You shouldn't really be having these things. We know there's something wrong, mm-hmm. but we kind of can't figure out what is wrong. <laughs> so we kind of call it IBS and leave it at that. Um, but of course I had to learn how to manage it. And I really like to think that there was more healing that I could do that I could have gotten to a healthier place. So um, I joined a health coaching program really to help myself. I liked that it had this holistic perspective. It was like looking at all these areas of health, like the water intake and uh, what's my mental health like. And um, so I joined to help myself. I was kind of my first client. I was using the strategies that I was learning in the program on myself. I hired my own nutritionist and my own coaches during that time to really like empower me. And slowly over time, I was able to build a lot of habits, get to a way healthier place. And I'm happy to say I'm here today and I manage this and I don't have tummy issues on the regular. I still like, oh, I, I know that it's something I'll manage kind of for the rest of my life, right? I have to keep these habits up, but if I keep them up, I'm, I'm so much healthier and in such a better place. Oh yeah, that's good news. At least you don't have yeah. them tummy issues regularly now, right? So for right. how long did you deal with it? Like for how much time did it continue? Gosh, I mean, it was probably overall, I would say about three or four years that I was oh going through God. this journey. Yeah, it was, it was some time and, and, and maybe my worst year, I had like one year that was the worst. It kind of got to the like rock bottom point. Right. But it definitely uh-huh. built up over some time. I would say for a couple of years, I noticed this going on. So yeah, you like had a really hard time dealing with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was Finally frustrating. You kind of learned how to manage it. Right. Yeah. But I have heard like IBS is no cure. Is that right? Yeah. They kind of call it a chronic condition, meaning you'll likely have it for the rest of your Mm -hmm. life. Um, However, I like to look at it this way. You maybe can find something else underneath the surface at play again, if you work with a really great specialist um, and you might be able to heal some underlying issue. I like to say it is something that you don't really cure because again, you kind of have to manage those habits. Most Mm -hmm. people don't have IBS, then go back to eating cake and ice cream every single day. (laughs) Like that just doesn't work. Your gut's going to kind of get back to an irritated place. So it is chronic. You have to kind of manage it for the rest of your life. But I do feel like for most people, they don't have to live with those symptoms every day. A lot of times when people hear no cure, they think, well, I just have to live like this every day. And I'm here to tell you there's, there's hope you can be healthier and for the most part experience no symptoms. You just have to stick with these healthier habits. Yeah. You have to manage it every day. Like you have to put an effort every day, right? Exactly. Exactly. 
So yeah, let's come to this thing. Like most people would like to know, like what which foods, like list the foods which should be consumed in abundance, and yeah. which should be avoided at all costs. Yes. Yeah. So I think the the I love that you use that word abundance because that is actually a huge thing that I think I want to make a point of that really the goal when it comes to gut health is to eat a variety of foods. Mm-hmm. And this might seem counterintuitive. We're like, what? But really a lot of variety of plant foods, lots of different fruits and vegetables and different types of meats and cook them in different ways and try new beans and legumes, right? We really want a variety of foods. And if you're kind of in the beginning of your healing journey, fruits and veggies and things that are really fibrous, like beans might upset your stomach. So I recommend cooking your vegetables um, and kind of just starting in smaller amounts but don't be afraid of like every time you have a stomachache over time, you do want to eat more diverse plant foods, clean foods, whole real foods that are not processed. And the basic foods to avoid at all costs are the really processed foods that have a lot of added sugars, um, you know, chemicals that you just can't pronounce on the box, right? (laughs) Life life happens. You might have to eat food from a box every now and again. Absolutely. (laughs) Like it's not possible to eat from your neighbor's farm every day. But for the most part, try and eat more real food, less of the processed ones. And um, I'll say this, it's different for everybody. Some people can eat dairy and gluten. It's absolutely different for everybody. But the top three that most people kind of have to manage are maybe dairy free, maybe gluten free and low sugar, just meaning like less, less of the really candy and baked goods and, you know, real sugar from fruits and things like that. What can be the alternative for sugar? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, like I just mentioned, real whole fruits. So when I'm making baked goods, I love to use like a ripe banana or dates are really fantastic. You can soak dates and put them in baked goods. That's that's so nice. Yes, yes, exactly. Or, you know, healthier alternatives, like again, maple syrup or honey, more natural sugars that have other health benefits. Um, And then my two favorite ones that are not really sugar, that don't spike our blood sugar and kind of gives us that energy high are... um, stevia and monk fruit. Those two are natural. They do come from plants. Those are the ones I would recommend. I recommend for people to definitely stay away from things like aspartame and sugar alcohols like xylitol, because those tend to upset the stomach more. So are there any foods and wedges which should be avoided? Um, so this is a great question. There are going, I'm going to be honest with our listeners. <laughs> there are likely going to be some foods that you avoid. It's just really different for every person. And I don't usually like to like give this, you know, end all be all list because then it could make you really nervous. Right. And maybe what's, what's, you know, uh, a trigger for me that I have to avoid might be different for my partner or my mother or my friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I guess what I say about that is doing something called an elimination diet and yeah. food journaling is really helpful. Get rid of a lot of the foods that you think are triggered for you. Eat really clean, healthy foods that help you feel good. And then journal your symptoms over time when you eat those foods. It is this process. And that's why it's really helpful to work with someone like a coach like me or a nutritionist, someone to kind of partner with you. So it's less stressful. Really, that's kind of, that's how you find out what what affects you. When somebody partners with you on a diet, it's like easier, right? It's so much easier, right? Like you have support, you have someone you can vent to, you have someone who kind of can encourage you when you feel like quitting, right? It's very, it's very and helpful even if your partner is doing it like it's easier 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially like the people you live with in your house, because then you can like eat the same foods. It, it yeah. can be, uh, you know, very, very, I'll be very honest. It can be kind of isolating when you're the only one and you're yeah. group eating that thing. Right. So Definitely. it is nice to have support. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, talk a little, uh, let's talk a little around dietary and lifestyle changes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like we mentioned, like the clean whole foods, I think are a lot of the um, main things to focus on. Water intake, like you mentioned, is great. I love using herbal teas. Things like yep. ginger and turmeric and peppermint are really soothing for the stomach mm-hmm. and they're hydrating as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might have to find that they, they shouldn't uh, consume a, an abundance of caffeine or alcohol. Those really upset the stomach. Um, so those are some things to look out for. Um, and again, the specifics of your nutrition might vary. There's something called FODMAPs, which are short chain carbohydrates. They kind of break down like sugars and they cause gas and discomfort in the stomach. Um, that might be something that you have to look into a, for a short period of time, but because it's restrictive, I like to recommend that people don't stay on that for a long period of time, that eventually they start to add in more foods and get that greater variety. So again, if you hear a lot of buzz about that low FODMAP diet, mm-hmm. it's helpful to try it out with the help of a professional, but then eventually you want to add more foods back in. So are there any lifestyle changes you wouldn't want to expand on? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, we mentioned a lot about water intake, movement and sleep. Those are three big ones. And I know they sound like, okay, I know I should get more sleep and drink water and exercise. Like we can kind of like, I hear that all the time, but don't discount how powerful those things can be. Um, You know, when we sleep, that's the time for our gut to heal and to kind of take a rest from eating. So we need that. It helps balance our hormones and, you know, hormone health is directly connected to our gut health our body does kind of, it's interconnected, you know, and we know that our um, movement also helps balance our blood sugar. So our blood sugar gives us that stable energy. And if you find like you're craving a lot of sugars and you're dropping in energy, then you're really energized. Uh, That's likely that you need more movement, sleep, and water. Those are so big. Um, And then another one that I, I really like to promote is called mindful eating. And what I mean by that is eating really slowly and enjoying your food, like chew your food. We've probably all heard that from our mothers, chew your food, but sit down and slowly chew each bite. The saliva has enzymes that actually break down your food and help our digestion before it even hits our stomach. So put your fork down, see if you can enjoy a meal for 20 minutes rather than scarfing it down in five minutes. (laughs) All those things are going to cause more stomach upset, no matter what you're eating. So the next time you eat something again, if it's, you know, the healthiest food on the planet, or it's maybe kind of junk food, see if you can slow down, chew your food, enjoy it. That is actually going to help your digestion and has nothing to do with food. It's just a way of being mindful and less kind of stressed out when we're eating that can really, really help our digestion. Yeah. I wanted to know that like, you know, does IBS or did it, did IBS have an effect on your mental health? Yeah. Yeah. I really like that question because it did. I think um, before I get into like physical sciencey stuff, the, the matter of fact here is that 
if you're restricted and you're feeling uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. it can cause a lot of stress and maybe anxiety. You might not know when you're going to get a stomach upset if you're in a social situation or some people can, you know, feel very down and depressed because their body is changing and they feel sick and ill. So I did feel that way. Um, And then there's some science here of what can actually happen when our gut is um, out of alignment or let's call it like, um, you know, just kind of messed up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It it does affect some of our hormones like serotonin and dopamine. Those are actually created in the gut, not all created in the brain. Most of our serotonin, 90% is created in our gut. And when people have not enough serotonin that causes things like anxiety or depression. So there is a lot of research and science supporting the fact that if you have a gut issue, it can directly affect your mental health. So for people who are experiencing anxiety, depression, I do recommend that they look at their diet and their nutrition and their gut health overall. So there is a connection there, a huge one, really. What about like, you know, when girls are on a period or like, you know, menopausal, yeah, when yeah. a lady experiences a menopause, right? So what about like, can IBS attack them? I think yes. when you're so, on a period, yes, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Like when you're on a period, it can happen. And usually it's, it's the hormonal fluctuations that happen. And I think there needs to be more research here, but essentially we know when our hormones are up or they're down, which kind of happen mm-hmm. when we're on our period, it can affect our stomach. So I would one say, it's normal to have some stomach upset while you're on your period, Mm -hmm. but if you have IBS, it is likely to be worse. And I'll give my personal experience when I would have periods, when my IBS was really bad, it was really bad (laughs) during those times, but now it's much more manageable. And I don't notice, like I might say, Oh, I'm on my period. I have a stomach ache. It's kind of normal. Um, so it's definitely like, if your gut is in a healthier place, it's less likely to affect you a lot. And I think the same goes for menopause. If a menopausal woman is really in a healthy state with her gut, she has her IBS managed. It's not likely to affect her. It's more like that is at play. But I guess the bottom line, the takeaway here is hormones do affect our gut health. So if you're going through a hormonal time, know that it's not like uncommon to have some issues. Like it makes sense, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it does. What about ice cream? I kind of, it kind of hit me. Oh my God. Because like, I mean, uh, a lot of people are this sweet tooth, right? Oh my gosh. So many people are sweet tooth. I'm actually the biggest sweet tooth around, which was tough because sugar really affected me and ice cream. You have dairy, you have sugar in there. It Uh tends to be a big trigger. Um, So what I say for people is try and make your own. I was not a cook. I was not a baker (laughs) before my IBS, but it taught kind of forced me to learn how to be a better cook and baker. So that's a good skill that I've taken away from this. Right. And I think you can freeze fruit like, uh, you know, bananas and strawberries and blend it up and kind of make your own ice cream. That's definitely going to be healthier. Um, I like using coconut products like coconut cream or coconut milk that's been put in the fridge overnight. It kind of gives you that creaminess. Um, but again, you hopefully won't have the upset that comes with the dairy or the sugar. So those are my best alternatives. Um, and you know what? The last thing I'll say on that is when your gut is healthy, you do bounce back, back faster. Yeah. So I actually had ice cream yesterday and it didn't oh affect me. I did. I really did. Whereas like when I was on my gut healing journey, I would stay away from it for some time to get to a healthier state. But again, when you get to a state of you're managing it, you're feeling healthier, you bounce back quicker and you can usually have those things in small amounts 
you know, as treats as conscious indulgences. Are there any specific treatment options for IBS? Yeah, so I think that um, what I'll say is I, I do think the best treatment for the long term is creating these healthy habits that we spoke okay. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think for some people, it is really beneficial to maybe seek counseling or support from a coach to help your mental health as well. Because mm-hmm. as we know, let's say you're experiencing that anxiety or depression that can cause more stress on your body. So I do think that's an important part of treatment, getting some support for your stress and your mental health as well. Um, and then I will say that you know, some people do seek treatment with medications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually, like what yeah. medications? Yeah, yeah. So medications typically are usually more of a, a cover up. In all honesty, it can help you kind of manage your symptoms and not realize it, but it's not likely going to be a long term solution. Mm. And you'll likely have to rely on it for the rest of your life. So what I'll say is I'm not judging anyone. If, if that's the route you want to go, just recognize that it's not really going to heal you or cure you or get you to a healthier state. It's just going to, again, kind of cover it up or help you manage it for the rest of your life. Whereas if you could instead work on these behaviors, work on your mental health as well, you can kind of heal in a sense and then manage it with those behaviors, save some money and not have to worry about the medications. That's my personal um, opinion. And I think that's what the research shows is that medications don't really cure it. It just really doesn't. Medications don't really cure it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And what are your concrete learnings from like this whole process, the whole disease, right? Yeah, I love that. Concrete learnings. I love that. Things that I'm taking away. Well, one, I learned how to cook and bake, right? It actually, it's kind of like a pain to power story, right? It was, it was a painful time of my life, but it helped me develop these skills in other areas of my life that have been great. I love to cook and bake now. Obviously, it gave me my new career of helping other people because it's my passion. But I think some of the biggest learnings are some of the things we talked about that like, don't discount how important water and sleep and movement and nutrition are. I think a lot of times we hear it from the health world, like eat better and move your body. And we're like, okay, like don't discount how powerful those small things can be small. I like this quote. It goes small hinges, swing, big doors, this collection of these small habits actually when combined can be really powerful. And that's one of my biggest takeaways. I think for a while I was searching for that magic pill and I wanted that one thing to make a big difference. But then I realized it's a lot of these small puzzle pieces put together that have the biggest impact. Yeah, that's so nice. That's so nice to listen to this, these learnings actually. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like what advice, lastly, what would what advice yeah. would you give to those people who are struggling with IBS, but, you know, have a hard time managing it and like have a hard time coming out of it, right? Yes. I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give kind of based on my last lesson that I just said is it's going to take some consistency and it's going to take some determination to stick with it, but it will be worth it. There's this Um, little story that goes like there's these two miners and they're both mining for gold within the earth. And one guy stops because he just gives up and he didn't realize that he was five feet from the gold right there. And the other miner decided to just keep pushing when they wanted to give up. 
and they got the goals and they got there. Mm -hmm. So my best piece of advice is just when you feel like it's not working, you're probably on the cusp of that aha moment that um, you're probably on the cusp of that edge where it is going to work for you. So keep pushing. And my other piece of advice is to get support, whether it's a family member or a friend or a little community who can do these diets with you, be a workout buddy, keep you accountable to drinking your water and sleeping and getting support, or it's also hiring a professional, like a coach or nutritionist or a therapist to help you. I really do think that investment is worth it because then you won't be alone and you'll have someone to help you try new strategies over time because it can be isolating to have IBS and feel alone. You're not alone. As we mentioned, there's plenty of people out there that are like you. Find that support. Definitely can be isolating, right? Yeah. I agree with this. So yeah. it was great talking to you. It was great having you here. Oh my God, you're super fun already. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. You are too. I love your questions. This was really fun and really positive. And I hope, you know, listeners got a lot out of this. So thank you again for having me. I just enjoyed like having you here right? and just enjoyed doing this episode. Yes. I just loved it thoroughly. So yeah, guys, I'm looking for stories, as I always say, the, the stories that may help heal and inspire others. If you have one, please connect to me at my email, lifehappensforrealpodcast at the rate gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in.